days ahead. So um, will you join me in that as you go this week? Uh, the, the last introduction or announcement I'd like to make, I want to invite up our district superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. This is Kerry Willis. Many of you have met him before. Um, we have come to really love this man and his wife who have joined our district from the, uh, from the Virginia area recently. But um, Kerry has brought with him today a really um, good friend of his, and I, I know that you're going to be really encouraged as you get a chance to meet his friend today. So I'm introducing Carrie so that he can introduce Thank Pastor you. Tawal. Pastor. <laughs> well, first of all, I would say, say give Pastor Dave and Bessie what they don't know they want, gifts to Wawa. That's what they <laughs> really want. I promise you that's what they want. Okay. Uh, thanks, Pastor Ann, and thanks to Pastor Mark for again opening the doors of Lansdale to let us come in. Uh, it was the year 2004. I was invited to the country of Jordan uh, to speak at churches there, Nazarene churches, and to lead the pastors and spouses retreat. Um, it was a real uh, game changer for me. I had never been in Jordan. Uh, the missionary Rod Green had invited me there. And really, before his invitation, Amman was just a dot on a map, and I was happy with that. You know, I, I really did not have that on my bucket list. I did not know how many wonderful people the Lord had there. You know, he has his people everywhere. And if you have never met uh, Arabic Christians, maybe you have not met God's best. Uh, they have become dear to my heart. While I was there, I was going to Urbid, Jordan, uh, which is the second largest city to the north, it seemed like we drove forever. Uh, I was very concerned about going there because I had been told by our missionary uh, that uh, the pastor there, Pastor Wael, spoke zero English, and my Arabic's really rusty. <laughs> uh, so, uh, But when we got there, God had provided, because shortly uh, as we came through the door, we were introduced to a young man 26 years old, single man, a Shahadi Twal. Uh, he had grown up in Urban, Jordan. He had given his life to Christ at age 11 uh, through a, a Nazarene preacher. And he would be our interpreter. It was a wonderful visit. And after it was over, my friend Steve and I, who planned trips to the Holy Land, uh, he was traveling with me. We wanted to see some of the holy biblical sites in Jordan, but we, we didn't have a car, we didn't have a guide. And so Shahadi Twal volunteered not only to be our guide, to be our Uber as well, before Uber was Uber. And uh, he drove us around his country. We were floored by how much he knew the Bible and how much he knew about these biblical sites. Still, some of the best touring I ever had in the Holy Land was done by this 26-year-old. Steve and I had also been in Jerusalem numerous times, but we had been recently, and we had realized our church there, our Nazarene church, was without a pastor. And it broke our heart to know that in the Nazarene church, in the city where our Lord paid the price for our freedom, we had no leadership. And so during our praying, we met Shahadi Twal. And we were convinced. And so we just told him out loud. We said, Shahadi, we think you should be the pastor in Jerusalem. <laughs> well, not only was he not a pastor yet, 
but also, uh, we didn't understand a political climate, and so he looked at us with that nice, hospitable look, but I think he was probably thinking, crazy Americans, you know. He told us later that was impossible. He said, I can't even get paperwork to tour the Holy Land, so I would not ever be able to be pastor there, except we kept praying. And then 10 years later, I get correspondence from who? Shahadi Twal. He's the new pastor in the Church of the Nazarene in Jerusalem. That's where you cheer for Jesus, right there. So if you have anything impossible in your life and someone's praying for you, watch out. Because God is the God of the impossible. He, um, he made a little trip uh, up to uh, Switzerland uh, to the Nazarene Bible College to, to learn to be a pastor and to get his training there. And he fell madly in love while he was there with a Swiss girl. Her name's Annabelle. And they must really, really be in love. They have three children already. Uh, they, have, they have Yara, who's age eight. They have Mia, who is age five. And they have Lena, who is a real handful. She's age three. Uh, Pastor Shahadi was not only called to train, but God equipped him with family to come back to Jerusalem. And, I mean, as good as Shahadi would have been, I cannot believe what he and Annabelle are able to do in Jerusalem uh, for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Actually, their whole family, they're all missionaries. Uh, I've been keeping up with Jerusalem for some 20 years, the work there. Lyndall and Kay Browning, who spent 35 years there, my dear friends. And I can tell you, eyewitness, there has never been more going on in Jerusalem for the Nazarenes since the Nazarene came through there on the donkey uh, that's going on now. This Arabic uh, Christian pastor with a beautiful Swiss wife, they speak five languages. So bear in mind while he's speaking, it's like his second or third language, uh, English. Uh, but, but they together are reaching, uh, they are reaching the Jewish people for Jesus. They are reaching the Arab Christian population, which is traditional Christian. They're called Christian, but they really don't know Christ often. And they're also reaching the Muslim Arabs. God is using them in a great way. Just for logistical purposes, I missed this first service. They have a table in the foyer today. They like for you to take their portrait home and put it on your fridge <laughs> so that you will remember to pray for them. If God brings them to heart, rest assured, they probably are in what we would call a situation and they need prayer. Uh, so please pick that up. Also on that table, they have five cards if they have these left. They're photo cards from the old city of Jerusalem, blank cards or some have scripture that you can send a friend. The cards are just one dollar. It's basically, I think, been their ice cream money while they've been here. So if you would like a $1 card, or if you'd like to give $5 for a $1 card, I'm sure they have no change, okay? <laughs> so that's totally up to you. Uh, but do stop by the table. I want to say that this is our 11th stop on 11 <laughs> church stop tour. And Kim and I have traveled with them in the four winds. They've been in their, their van. It's been three weeks of pure ministry for me. And I thank the Lord for it. Thank you for being here today. And I think it would be okay to welcome this pastor who was born between Iraq and a hard place. Yes, Iraq and Israel. He was born in Jordan. Let's welcome him. Yes. I have to say one more thing since this is our last, our last trip. 
together. Uh, how many of you have never met an Arabic Christian? Yeah, I figured. How many of you, now be honest now, how many of you would say, I didn't even know Arabics could be Christians? I was one of those. Until I had an Arabic guide in the Holy Land, an Arabic Christian, and he said, will you please tell Americans that we have been Christians since day one? He said, do they not read their New Testament? He said, please tell them to go. So I'm telling Acts chapter 2 and read the groups of people who were at Pentecost. He said, the last group of people mentioned were the Arabs. We have been Christians since day one. He said, please tell them that Arabic does not mean Islamic. That would mean all Americans are Baptist. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Pastor Kerry. No, we love them. Thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you for having us. I was told that I have an hour, so let's get started. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> just, I didn't want to scare anyone. This was a joke. <laughs> no, seriously, we are really glad to be here with you this morning. Thank you for having us. And uh, uh, our family and I have uh, enjoyed uh, being in the U.S. And uh, we're, we've been blessed by visiting all the Nazarene churches uh, here, but also uh, with, by, by all the Nazarene churches that come and visit us in Jerusalem. And uh, for this morning, before I show you a few pictures, because it's always nice to see pictures. I like pictures. Sometimes I remember the pictures more than the sermon. So uh, we're going to look, uh, but before we do that, we're going to read from the Gospel of John, uh, John three sixteen, and uh, 16 till verse 21. If you have your Bibles, uh, just turn to John three 16. I'm sure all of you know that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. I always like to read this one twice, because I always forget that. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they had not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And that is sad, and that is the sad reality we still live in today. People still act the same. People... Uh, loved the darkness because their deeds were evil, but everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done uh, has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your written word and for the way you reveal yourself to us, to us through Scripture. So as it has been mentioned, we do come from Jerusalem, and we have a, a, little, a few uh, PowerPoints, a few pictures to share with you this morning. So, uh, and then, um, so the next slide you'll see is our family, the, uh, a, newer, a, a more updated uh, picture of us because our girls are growing so fast, we don't know what's happening. So, um, and uh, they are truly part of who we are as uh, servants of the Lord uh, in Jerusalem, as missionaries in Jerusalem. We are also sent by global missions to to serve in Jerusalem to represent the Church of the Nazarene there 
as a family. And then we have also a little video that we like to show. It's from National Geographic that just shows the city. At the crossroads of history, forged by centuries of conflict, is a place once believed to be the center of the world. Jerusalem. A mosaic of cultures and beliefs. Ancient rituals. Secrets buried deep underground. Jerusalem. It is a beautiful city. It is a breathtaking city. It is a complicated city. There's a lot of things going on, different languages, different faiths, different groups of people from different ethnic backgrounds. And in the midst of all of that, you'll see on the next picture is the Church of the Nazarene in Jerusalem. And um, I, also, I always like to show this picture because the, that land was bought and the building was built through alabaster offerings. And this was built in 1968. So it's an old building uh, that we've been working on and renovating and making uh, uh, beautiful for people to come in and enjoy worshiping there. And um, we, uh, through the help of work and witness teams, live on the right-hand side there on that parsonage that is attached to that uh, building in, since one year. And uh, the church is located right on the seam. It's called the seam, the border between what is West Jerusalem and East Jerusalem. And we believe the Lord has put us door, uh, there to kind of make that seam whole, to, to kind of bring both parts together to, in Christ to reconcile the groups of people together that live in the land. On the next slide, you'll see uh, some of the ministries we do uh, in Jerusalem, and we are teaching German in the Nazarene Church of Jerusalem. Somebody will say, why, why would you do that? Well, I, I learned German in Switzerland and in Germany when I was studying theology, and, and then uh, when I was moving to Jerusalem, I said, oh, Lord, why, why, would I, why did I learn German? And now you're moving me to another country where I have to learn Hebrew. And, um, well, we found out that there's a school just down the street from us uh, that where our daughter actually goes. And uh, they teach German as a second language. And we can help our girls with homework because we know German. But she ha my daughter has 28 other girls in her class. None, uh, or at least I think one, one other girl has a German parent, but all the other girls, their parents can't help them with homework. So that we said, well, there's a way we can bless that community. So we started teaching German in our uh, helping uh, with after-school homework, helping them do their homework, help them study for tests and exams, and help them memorize the words, you know, der, die, das, wer, wie, was, and all that. And, um, and then, uh, but for 45 minutes, we do that. And then for uh, another 45 minutes, we have praise and worship 
and we read the, uh, the gospel with them. We read stories from the Bibles. We, from the Bible, we do crafts with them. We even pr teach them to pray in German. And the Lord has given us a growth in that. And now we have about 16 girls that come to our German club. And then that has created uh, interest in, the, in their parents. Their parents are starting to come, oh, well, our girls are learn, learning all these stories. And they come and tell us these stories from the Bible. But we do not know these stories from the Bible. Can you teach us? So in the next slide, that's what you'll see. You'll see uh, we're having a Bible study with the parents. And some of the parents in the beginning did not want to come to church. They will drop off their girls and they would leave. But they saw the change. They saw the love that has been shown unto their girls. And then they start, so they started attending and their lives were transformed and changed. And then on the next slide, uh, you'll see that we also teach English as a second language in our church. And actually, that was uh, our, when we first moved to Jerusalem in 2014. Uh, I should have mentioned this earlier. So uh, Jerusalem has around almost close to a million people living in it. Almost, you know, give or take a few a thousand, almost 600,000 Jewish people or Jews live, live in Jerusalem. The other 400,000 are Arabs. From these 400,000, you have 98% Muslim and 2% Christian. Now, when I say Christian, I don't mean, mean Christians who have a relationship with Christ, who know Christ or know their Bible. This can be a, a wide range of Christians, starting from, you know, Catholic, Orthodox, Armenian Christian, Coptic Christians, you know, uh, all the way down to Nazarene Christians. So that's a little 2%. But we thought that's an easy group to start a ministry with. You know, we were new in the country. We didn't know anyone. Four people were coming to our church. So we said, well, let's start teaching English. So we made brochures, we gave out advertisement, we said we have English-speaking teachers, you know, American teachers that will speak, teach you English in their native tongue. And that was a big attraction to, for people. So 45 people came on our first uh, day. 45 people, none of them were Christian Arabs, all Muslim. So that's the picture you see here. And so the Lord opened up that door for us to teach English as a second language in us and we've been doing in in our church and we've been doing that for the past five years now four and a half years and then on the next slide will you'll see our uh, christmas uh, event and you'll see a lot of women with head covers in that christmas event that's because we do christmas two christmas uh, events uh, one a, a little bit before christmas and one on christmas day the one before christmas we do it all for our community the community that uh, surrounds us for anyone who would like to come and the majority of the people that come are also Muslims. They, they, they know, they believe Jesus was born as a prophet. So we use that as a way to connect with them. And then at the end, we have a play, we have games, we sing Christian songs, we read the story from the Bible. And they're all sitting there watching with the, you know, making even videos with their iPhones and smartphones. And then we share and we tell them why we celebrate Christmas and why did Christ come and why, why did we need him to come and to be born on earth. And then uh, in, the in the next slide, you'll see, so we have uh, a lot of activities for children at our church. That's how we serve our community, through German classes, through English, through our own uh, children that attend our, our services, like uh, Sunday school and uh, things like that. And we didn't have a place for them to play. Usually, they pl uh, until today, they play on the parking. We sometimes have to block the, our parking, that cars cannot park. We have a small parking and then we'll, to let the children play. It's all cement, broken, children fall, hurt themselves. So we said, well, let's pray for uh, a playground 
for our children and also for like a place where we can just meet up with these all these different people that come to our church and sit down with them and have a cup of coffee and talk about uh, issues of faith and life and so this space behind our church is that space where we thought of and we started praying for it and we are very thankful for our international nazarene church because in the five years we've been living there we've had five different working witness team teams come to our church uh, some from the u.s some from the ukraine some even from all the way from the philippines and the last team that came was a team from germany and here's the next slide you'll see that work uh, that place that was filled with garbage and it was broken cement uh, they, we, they put a, a wooden deck on it that we can just sit and have a coffee, have a nice conversation with uh, different groups of people that come. And we're hoping in the future to have on the right, uh, right far corner up there where there's still a blue gate there, that's going to be, that's what we're praying for, to have our playground there for children, maybe a swing or uh, anything. So pray, pray uh, 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 for us or pray with us for that project. And I'm going to leave the, that picture up there to, for you to look at it. And um, so these, this work and witness teams, they come and they work. And we teach German. We teach English. We have uh, summer camps. We have uh, uh, bazaars where we you know, open up the church and we sell uh, things for a very low price to, to raise funds for, for refugees or for, for orphans or for widows. And, and then uh, and one time, this German team was there working. They're you know, the ladies were standing in the heat of the sun painting, putting lac, uh, you know, to protect the wood from the heat and from the water. The men were cutting the wood, and then our English students walk into church. And as it is the custom in, in, in the Middle East, you always come late to your class. So they came late, so they ran quickly, and they saw these non-native workers, you know, you know, turning red in the sun. Uh, they look at them and they say, oh, these are not native, these are not local workers, you know. Where did you get these workers from? And they run into class, and then 45 minutes later, they come out. And I'm working, I'm looking at, uh, and they come out to me, a group of men and young women come to me, and they say, Pastor, excuse us, uh, but who are these people? And what are they doing here? And I said, you know, these are Nazarene believers. These are Nazarene Christians. And I use these words uh, specifically because I want to know that they are doing this out of faith. I said, they are believing Christians that came to help us. And then this young one man walks, steps to the front of the group, and he says, and I'm, I'm going to quote him. He says, he, first he was amazed. His eyes got bigger, and he came closer to me. He says, they traveled all the way here just to work and paint? I said, yes. Then he said, these people are better than us. They are much better than us. We would never travel to help someone or do good. We just travel to have fun, go shopping. These people are better than us because they traveled just so they can do good. I wish I was like them. Please thank them from me. And then they went, all the, the entire group went back to, to, to learn English. And this, this uh, reminded me of all the other times we had teams working or people were thanking us for doing ministry. Uh, and then they would ask us the same question. Why are you doing this? Why are you opening, uh, opening, opening up your church? Why are you helping us? Why are you, uh, you know, sometimes we just uh, would let somebody just park in the, in the church, you know, and just to go walk down the street, pick up a child from school. And they were not used to anyone doing that for them, you know. And they would ask that question, why are you being so good to us? And this, this uh, kind of reminded me of John Wesley and his three simple rules. 
that he was always preaching and teaching. John, if you don't know John Wesley, then you can Google him. You know, <laughs> uh, Google tells you everything these days, right? But John Wesley talked about doing good. In fact, he had three simple rules. One was do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. And today I want to look at this doing good, but I don't want to look at it in an abstract way. I want to challenge, I want us to be challenged, and I want to ask ourselves in the face of evil, in the face of this darkness that people love, we, learned, we read about darkness in John, right? That people loved the darkness because their deeds were evil. In the face of that darkness, in the face of that evil, how do we do good? And now, this idea seems easy when I was also thinking about it. Well, you know, I'm polite, uh, you know, I, I, I compliment, uh, I'm polite to my neighbors, uh, you know, I cut my grass to match all the other grass in the neighborhood, right? I, f I found out that this is something very big here in the U.S., cutting your lawn. We don't have lawn in, in, the U in, in, the, in, the, in Israel, in, in Jerusalem, so, but, you know, you have to uh, cut your lawn, you know, you have to be polite to your neighbors, you, you let people you know that you, that you, uh, that you work with, uh, your co-workers, you let them know that they're appreciated, you know, this is nice right this is doing good you give your offerings and your tithings in the church this is good and these are all really really good things you should be you should be doing all these things you should be kind and you should compliment people and you should be giving offerings and tithings to the church but uh, they alone are not enough and they alone are not what John Wesley meant with his rule doing good does not mean doing good when it's easy it's doing good when it's hard. The, the Apostle Paul warns the early church in Thessalonians and he says, they must not re repay evil with evil, but instead choose, it's a choice, choose to do good. And this is what Wesley says, and this is what Christ is saying, because that's what Wesley is doing. He is kind of interpreting Christ, uh, uh, the teachings of Christ, for the people of his time and he says that we don't get to choose to whom we do good we must do good to and for all people we cannot choose the people we want to be good to we, we must do good to and for all people and this is not easy I, 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 I will tell you this I did not want to go back and live in the Middle East I had lived in Switzerland for, at that time, for four and a half years. Uh, I was pastoring a, a, a good church, a growing church. Uh, I, was, I had a second job in a company that I was getting really good pay. Uh, you know, I, uh, there was nobody honking behind me all the time like they do in Jerusalem when, they, <laughs> when, you're, when, the, when the signal hasn't turned even green, you know, it's still in the orange and they be, you know. You know, uh, those of you in Jerusalem probably experienced all the honking there, the, who went to Jerusalem. You know, we had floor heating in our house in Jerusalem. That's how good our life there was, you know. In, where our, uh, uh, sorry, in Switzerland, in Jerusalem, the first time uh, we walked, uh, uh, sometimes we'd come back from church in the evening uh, to our house in Jerusalem, and we would walk into the house and we would see our own breath. That's how cold it was in the winter. But the, only, the, the main reason I did not want to go to back to the Middle East is I told Annabelle, I don't want my girls to hear the call of prayer five times a day. I grew up with that, and I don't want them to experience that. 
And I had, you know, some bad experiences with the people of the Middle East. My friend Greg there is nodding his head. He's, I know, I knew Greg since I was 14. He was also serving in the Middle East with me there, and we served together. He and I had some bad experiences with people in the Middle East, and it was hard for us to do good to them. So I said to her, I don't want to go back to the Middle East. And, but at the time, we were also praying to see where the Lord wants us to go. And we prayed and we said, Lord, we, we, you know, please open up the door for us where you, where you lead us. And that is a very dangerous pray, prayer to pray. You have to be very specific with God, you know. I should have said, accept, Lord, so and so, you know. Because six months after we had been prayed, after we, we were searching and we were trying to go to the UK, we were trying to go to Berlin in Germany, we were trying to go to Munich because we just simply liked Munich as a city. And all these doors were getting, being closed in front of us and I was getting frustrated. And then six months later, uh, the missionary uh, in Jerusalem called me and he says, hey, we need a pastor in Jerusalem. Would you like to come to Jerusalem? And that's all you know where that story ended so we do not uh, choose to whom we do good to we must do good to and for all people not just the ones we know not just the ones who are like us whether with language or color or even a religious background not just the one who are liked by by us we or those we might find worthy of receiving the good that we do we must do good no matter the circumstances or the situation. One time I was on my way. Because I'm from Jordan, the people in Israel uh, uh, found out, you know, heard about the, the refugee situation in Jordan with the Syrians and the Iraqis. And so people came to me and said, hey, you're a Jordanian. We have a lot of funds we want to give to Jordan, to the, to the churches there. And we have a lot of clothes that we've collected because it was winter and these refugees were living in, in camps and the babies were cold, the, the children were cold. So the people in Jerusalem went and bought brand new clothes, brand new baby onesies and socks, you know, little, these little cute socks and, uh, and, and the blankets. And they, I, I ended up, and people would just come and knock on the church door and ring the church bell because now we live there, they know where we are. And uh, we can't escape and they were giving us all this stuff. I ended up with having you know, uh, 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 clothes worth thousands of dollars. And, I, and, uh, and my wife is the planner in this relationship. I'm kind of the one that does not plan so well ahead of time. So I just loaded everything in the car and I told her, I'm going to go drive to Jordan. I'm going to deliver all this stuff to Jordan. So, and I got in the car. I loaded up the car. I drove up. And then just before the, the border, it dawned on me, I'm going to cross international borders between two countries. They are taxes that might be needed of me to pay because I'm, I'm bringing all this brand new stuff into Jordan. And I started getting worked up. Oh, Lord, where, what am I going to do? Where, where, where am I going to get all this money? That's a lot of boxes in this car, all brand new. Oh, Lord, I, I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, uh, I can't afford this. Oh, uh, oh Lord, uh, why, why don't these people know I'm just trying to do good? I'm just trying to help these uh, refugees in Jordan. And I started, you know, imagining what I'm going to say to these people, all these uh, different situations I'm going to go through. And I started getting worked up, like, uh, what, what am I going to do? And I'm driving, and, and I, you know, I'm still driving there. And then suddenly I hear God's voice in my head. I hear this voice saying, Shahadeh. What are you doing? 
I said, what, Lord? He said, what are you doing? He said, Lord, I'm worried. He said, why are you worried? These are my things. This is, these are my stuff. These are my resources. You're just the driver. You're just the Uber. You're just the delivery man. You just bring stuff from A to B. It's my things. And I calmed down. And I had such peace in my heart. And I drove and on the Israeli side. I didn't have any problems. They looked at the car. They waved me through. On the Jordanian side, you know, I stamped my passport. I got all the visas. I said, oh, please go to customs. I go to customs. I parked the car. The customs officer looks in the car and he says, empty your car. I take a box from the parking. It's, it's the Jordan Valley. It's very, very hot. I run into the customs office. I put it on the conveyor belt to go through the x-ray machine. And I run back out to bring another box and come back in. The customs officer is opening a box. And he looks in it and he sees all this brand new stuff. And he's like, wow, this is really nice stuff. What are you going to do with all this stuff? I said, well, I'm a pastor from Jerusalem. And people donated these for refugees. And before I started, you know, I had a speech planned and everything. He didn't give me a chance to give. He started closing the, the box. And he says, come with me. And I say, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so I walk with him and we're walking. We walk out of the building. We walk to my car. He puts the box in the car. He says to me, God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing. Go on your way. A Muslim, Muslim man uh, doing his job. If we are to persist in doing good for people, we simply have to be patient. That was, that's where I lack sometimes. I'm not patient enough to wait for God. And open-minded, I couldn't see the goodness in others and simply do good. God will take care of the rest. It is His work, and these are His resources. And this is what all these uh, work and witness teams uh, do. They go around the world. They take time out of their daily schedule. They save their own money. They travel away from family and loved ones to go to people they don't know. This is one simple example of doing good. There are many more in this room here today. I don't know all of you, but I am sure of it because you have Christ in you. So I'm sure there's many more examples of doing good in this room here this morning to do good is to live proactively and that is not always easy not just responding to circumstances that need our attention but instead choose to say that doing good is part of who we are doing good is part of who we are that doing good helps to define who we are as followers of Christ so we seek out the opportunities to do good even before we are asked and pastor Kerry we are blessed in the church of the Nazarene because we have so many oh, people here so many of us who have decided that doing good is part of our DNA it is part who, of who we are as a church but we need to commit ourselves in seeking good for everyone in our world even the people that we do not like and everyone in God's world so even when someone cuts us off in traffic or even when someone offends us in a bigger way this must never move us from the circle of goodness that flows from God to me at first but then through me to the world this must never stop us and move us from that circle of goodness my I'll tell you an example of my wife Annabelle she doesn't know I'm gonna say this but 
we go and buy bread in Jerusalem. You, you just, everywhere you go buy bread, right? And uh, bread, uh, to buy uh, like a pack of bread is five shekels, which is like a dollar, a little bit over a dollar. But she's, people see that she's a foreigner. She doesn't speak the language, the Arabic language. So she goes and the man, instead of asking her for five shekels, asks her for nine shekels. He's trying to take, just because she's a foreigner, she doesn't, she looks foreign, she doesn't look. So the man is trying to cheat her and she's offended. But she continues to do good. And she says, well, you know, my husband said it's five. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't try, I, I was gonna raise the price, but I haven't done it. Okay, I'll give you the old price, you know. And, and you know, so how do you continue to do good? You simply do it, you simply continue to do good. I, I was uh, once, you know, because I'm an Arab, and I'm a Christian. I was once uh, uh, denied uh, on a flight. I'm gonna, not going to say the name of the company, but you know, I was walking up to my flight to, to board the flight, and they said, you can't board this flight. Well, why can't? Did I do anything wrong? No, you didn't do anything wrong. Why can I, get, why can I not get on this flight procedure? Please wait. We'll book you another flight. You just can't take this one. And then... You know, you get frustrated, you get angry, and you, you start thinking, these people, they don't know that I'm just trying to do good to them. But it's not the way we think, right? We just simply do good because of the good that has been done unto us, despite the hurt, despite the offense, right? Christ was offended, uh, was like people were trying to offend him, right? But he did not take it. He was cursed, he was beaten, yet he continued to do good up till the last minute. He made that choice. God sent his only son into this world because he loves us. God loves each of us. He loves, uh, he loves us in such a profound way. And Jesus came to demonstrate the depth of that love. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. This verse describes God's powerful love, that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we might understand that through faith in him, our lives will not end with our death, but instead continue on eternally with God. This is a very powerful way to look at this verse, right? That death is not the answer. We have hope because there is resurrection for those who believe in Christ after death. But I also want you to consider this with me this morning. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, so that we might not perish. Not only, not only on the other side in the afterlife, but also right here today. That we might not perish right here today. That our neighbors might not perish here today. That the people of Israel might not perish here today, whether they were Jews, Arabs, Muslim, or Arab Christians, but that they also might have access to eternal life. God sent Jesus so that we might see the life that God wants us to live today, the life he wants us to live today. God sent Jesus to teach us how to live, how to love, and how to do no harm, and how to do good no matter, no matter what so that our souls might not perish in a culture, in a society full of greed and self-indulgence. Because that's the focus today. 
the me, the me, the me. How can I please myself? How can I indulge myself more? No matter how much of a struggle for us to do good is, God never leaves us alone. I learned that the hard way. I keep learning that the hard way because he keeps talking to me, rebuking me. Say, what are you doing? God is always with us, loving us, standing with us, even when we find doing good to be very hard because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. When we started teaching English, I don't know why God sent us these people. At the end, of, we teach English for three months, and I'm going to finish with this story, just to show you how the, dark, the light overcomes darkness. After the three months are over, we always ask the, the students, tell us what you liked and what you did not like about our class. How can we improve teaching this experience for you? And all the students are sitting, they're all Muslim, many women you saw with covered heads. And this woman stands up and automatically she has tears in her eyes. And she says, the highlight of my week, the highlight of my week is coming here to church to learn English. A Muslim woman who is with a head cover. She starts crying. She says, I feel so loved. I feel so ac uh, accepted here. And I, I see all the efforts and all the uh, uh, you, you put into, uh, an, into our, our lives. The light is shining in her life. She is a Muslim woman, a divorced Muslim woman, uh, who is looked down upon simply because of the fact she was divorced even though her husband was abusive to her. But because she is divorced, they think that she cannot be, uh, she cannot have a moral life because she doesn't have a husband who will keep her moral or a man who will keep her uh, walking in a moral way. That's the, that's the general thought there. So people look down on her. They treat her in a lower way. Other women try to stay away from her because even contact with her reminds me of somebody in the Bible with the Samaritan woman. Yeah, People stay away from her. But she came to church and she felt loved and she felt accepted. And then... Because of that love, she wanted that her children come to church. So she brought her son to church. And she brought her daughter to church. And they still come after four years to learn English. And we see more and more light, the light of Christ shining in their hearts. Another lady uh, 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 was also uh, wearing a head cover. And we would talk and talk and talk. And then one time she would say, why do you do this? Exactly the same. Why, why are you opening this church? So I started sharing with her and talking to her. And suddenly I started talking about freedom. And God, that we have a God who sets us free. A week later, on Monday, so I talk, had this conversation with her on a Wednesday. On a Monday she comes to church. She does not have her head cover on. And I'm amazed. Uh, first, I did not recognize her, you know. And I said, "Hey, uh, you know," I'm, uh, I said her name, and I said, "How are you? Uh, oh, like you took your head cover?" She said, "Yes." And I feel so good. And then, but as soon as she walked into the the, the classes, all the other ladies who are head covered, oh shame! They yell, "Shame! Shame! You took off your head cover! Shame on you!" And she said, "No, no, no shame. I believe that God does not want me." To be held captive to anything and I, this thing did not feel make me feel free and I took it off and now I feel free because later on I talked to her how does your uh, husband and family react they say oh they love it I, I'm such a different person and then in my impatience after you know this happened 
almost three and a half years ago, and I was impatient, you know, I'm closed-minded. So, oh Lord, this happened, and now, you know, I talked to her, and I shared, but nothing is happening in her life, Lord. Like, so what? Last, this last uh, 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 spring class, she comes to me, she's having issue, uh, health issues, and she says to me, Pastor, can you please pray for me? And my heart is really filled, was filled with joy. You know, the Lord is, is, is dealing with me on my level. He said, Shali, you're too closed-minded. I deal with people on my own schedule, on my own time, not according to your schedule and your, or your own times. Brothers and sisters, the only way to defeat evil is to do good. Because that is what Christ did. The light always overcomes the darkness. Remember this. The light always overcomes the darkness. God bless you and thank you for being here this morning. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, I said earlier that I went to Israel. Now it's been almost 12 years since I was there. And I remember being so surprised because I had this picture in my mind like, well, wouldn't it be awesome to be a Christian in the Holy Land? You know, and I had this picture in my mind that this was going to be a place where people had heard about Jesus and, and their ancestors had maybe met Jesus. And so everybody was going to love Jesus. And I, I got there. I was so, I don't know, I just had this whole shift of understanding and realized how powerful it is to be in a place where many people do not name the name of Christ. Um, that many people, I mean, like you said, 2% of the people there, um, the loudest thing that would happen throughout the day were the calls to the, um, you know, to the Muslim prayer time and that everything would stop. And there just was this overwhelming sense of, of wonder to me of what God was at work doing and what was our call as Christians to speak into the lives of people who clearly do not know Jesus Christ. And I came home and I actually realized, I don't know if, if something changed or if God just opened my eyes to the many, many people around me that do not name Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but people who, um, you know, we have a growing community of people here right in, in Lansdale area that, um, have, that are, are Muslim and um, many, many people who have um, not any interest at this point in knowing Jesus Christ. But I have found that there is a way that we can engage through kindness and doing good that speaks volumes. And I, I just wondered as, as I was listening to you, um, Pastor Trois, um, I wonder if we could pray a dangerous prayer, like you said, um, like not only personally, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. I may be on this track, maybe for my, you know, in my career on this specific track as far as my education goes. But could God actually be saying something else to you this morning? That maybe would you be willing to pray that prayer? I don't know what it even is, Lord, but anywhere you want me to go, anything you want me to do, I want to hear your voice and I want to be obedient. I wonder, though, what that would look like as a church. Lord, what would that look like if we were people who said, I will, I will do good 
in, even in simple ways of hospitality and generosity to people around me that I know that do not know Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to invite you to, to pray that this morning. Um, I, I know that um, Annabelle's coming up. She's going to sing the benediction. But I would like to do a couple things before. So if you want to come up and get ready to do that, that'd be great. Um, but a couple quick things before you go um, that... Um, I, I want to encourage you to do. First of all, Pastor Twal mentioned uh, John Wesley's saying that he that he, a way of teaching: do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. And it reminded me of another um, teaching of John Wesley that he boiled down into these few phrases. He would say, "Make all you can, save all you can, and give all you can." And this morning, one of the opportunities that we have, I already know I mentioned to you asking for something for the Scots, and I hope you'll participate in that this week. But we would like from Emmanuel Church to be able to send the Twalls back to a church. I remember walking by the church um, right down from our hotel when we stayed there. And surprisingly, when I went and knocked on the door, they said, I'm sorry, the Nazarenes aren't here. <laughs> And there was no, it was said Church of the Nazarene, but there was no pastor. There was no missionary. There was no one there that was serving. They said, however, we do have a Korean congregation here. They're not Nazarenes, but they're using our building. And uh, they said, so if you want to come and pray with them, but they don't speak any English. I said, I don't, I don't know. And look at what God has done here at Emmanuel. We have so many people who are coming here from Korea. And I'm just surprised at how God just intertwines all of those beautiful things together. But um, we want to be able to support the work that the Twalls are doing in Israel today. So I'm going to give you a couple ways that you could uh, give this morning specifically to them. First of all, in the front of your, in the chair in front of you, there are envelopes there. You could simply drop cash or a check that you could make out to Emmanuel Church, and then we're going to pull all that together and, and give them uh, one or two checks there. But um, we'll put all the cash that you give or the checks that you give this morning will go directly to the Twalls. So if you just write Twal or Israel or something like that on the on the front um, and put that in at at the doors as you leave, there will be ushers, and you could simply drop those there. The other option that I always find, I'm just finding so much simpler to give, is if you go on our church app and you and you click on the give button. For today, we've started a fund just that's going to run for this until the end of today that says Pastor 12's uh, love offering. So you could simply type in the amount you want to give, click on that, and... Um, our, our offices will pull that money together and get that for them. So you can give online. You could give in an envelope on your way out the door. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, I'm going to ask that Annabelle, if you would sing the benediction. But before then, when she's finished, um, I know that this is the end of a long trip for the Twalls. And we, um, as people here at Emmanuel, would like to pray over you. So as soon as she finished, I'm going to ask Pastor Carrie to come up. And then if the two of you would join us here, we'd just like to pray over you a blessing that would go with you as you leave and head back, head back home. So as you listen to the benediction, then we're going to get ready to pray together.
I know many of you have been to Israel, so it would be close to your heart uh, to pray over the twalls. But why don't you come? Would you stand with me? If, um, if you would, just put your hands out and, and you agree with us that God would, would bring blessing on the twalls as they go back, as they speak the name of Christ, that he would give you favor, that he would give you um, insight into what your community needs so that you can speak the name of Jesus mm-hmm. and protect your family. Would you pray over them, Carrie? I'm going to ask Greg to come. Would you come, Greg, please? Uh, and I have my anointing oil here in my pocket. Greg, would you mind to anoint them? Uh, Shahadi only gave you a piece of his story. His, his dad passed at age four in Jordan. In the Middle East, that makes you an orphan when your father dies. And at age 14, this man came into his life. Greg, in Jordan, came a strong influence on his life. So, Greg, if you would just pray the Father's blessing over them as I pray. And um, I hope you get to hear someday the rest of the story. But uh, let's, let's just bow our hearts. I saw a few of you just pointing your hands toward the platform. I believe that's a custom here. So uh, if you're new today... Uh, you can you can do that if you'd like to try something new. Uh, but I know I've been here before and been the recipient of that. So just let your hands be pointing toward the twalls as we pray and anoint them. Lord Jesus, today our hearts are strangely warmed. Uh, to quote another John Wesley line. And today, the Shahadi twal has proven that the world is his parish. Not just Jerusalem but you have called him to be a light from Jerusalem to us on this side of the world. It's always beautiful for me to hear those from an Eastern culture share the word. It seems that they don't miss the obvious truths. (laughs) They have a way of keeping it simple, therefore keeping it profound. And each time I've listened to Shahadi and Annabelle on this tour, my heart has enlarged. I have not only been inspired, but I've been challenged. Lord, you know for our district that three of the words that we have really embraced this year, no invisible people, no invisible people. And to you, Lord, there are no invisible people. Help us not to choose those that we would do good to. We were not really attractive, but you came and you chose us. You chose to do good to us, not to do harm. So I pray, Lord, that we would not look for the right people to do good to. We would look for the next people. Help us not to pass by your angels who are entertaining us and we're not even aware We have learned this today, and I believe that we will be better for it. And so as Greg anoints this precious couple, which I know in his heart, uh, they feel maybe sort of like children to him. I thank you that he was there uh, to encourage Shahadi in his walk. He would be 26 before I met him. And a lot of people had already played a part in getting him to where he needed to be. And Lord, I'm so glad that the 12 families in Jerusalem. I pray a blessing over Yara, age eight. 
who her friends at the German school are now at the Nazarene Church learning German and learning about Palm Sunday. We saw the picture of Jesus riding in on a child's bike. We saw that. And those children are learning so much more than German. They're learning the love of Christ. Thank you that Yara was able to reach her friends. I pray for Mia today, kind of the quiet one in the bunch, such a tender heart. I pray that you would bless Mia and let her know that you have a plan for her life. And then, Lord, little Lena, I don't know what you're going to do with that energy, but it's going to be something beautiful. I don't remember the last time a little three-year-old girl would get a running start whenever she saw me and would run, and I was afraid she would knock me down when she jumped into my chest. <laughs> and so, Lord, thank you for loving me through Lena. It has been fabulous. And now, Lord, give them a few days at rest as they'll be down at the seashore. And Shahadi has a brother in New York that's going to come spend a few days with him. And I just pray that you will give them peace, give them favor, give them rest. And Lord, as their inheritance, give them the lost. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.